Welcome to this episode of The On-Call Empath. Do you know anybody that's in pain 24-7 or living with a rare disorder that nobody knows anything about? Well, I bring in Courtney Loins. She had big dreams of being an actor, but that all fell short when she got really sick after losing 100 pounds. After 30 specialists and 25 ER visits, nothing. Eight years of treatment and she was just labeled as a mentally ill person. Find out exactly how she recovered. If you or anybody else is in pain or live with a disorder, you definitely want to check this episode out. Let's get started. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Welcome to another episode of the On Call Empath. I am your host, Raj Mantaj. And I have a special guest today who is going to be sharing her traumatic story. And if you're listening out there and you've been through a lot, um, you definitely want to tune into what Courtney Loins has to say. So I'm just going to get started right away. Um, Courtney, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. How about you? I'm hanging in there. I just uh, thank you for being on my show. I, I read your story and... I just said, you know, I have to get, I have to get you on my show. Like, I, I can't believe what I heard. So um, let's start by asking you um, a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm from Toronto, Ontario. Uh, I'm an actor and I run an online business as well. Uh, and, uh, and I, I went through quite an experience having a rare disorder. Okay. Can you describe to our audience what that disorder was and and what you went through? Yeah. Um, so the disorder I I um, I developed was called Nutcracker syndrome, which is extremely rare. Only a few people um, in my country have ever been diagnosed with it. And basically, it's where something happens in the body, and all of a sudden, your spine and one of your arteries they start pressing together. And they, they cut off circulation to a vein that leads to one of your kidneys. Unusually happened to me was that uh, I lost 100 pounds. And a lot of the time after you lose a large amount of weight, you can start to develop this rare disorder. So I, I lost 100 pounds and I started to have just the most terrifying things start to happen to me. Business, and I started to pee blood. And I, I went to the doctor maybe about 25 or emergency, maybe about 25 times. I saw over 30 specialists and, uh, and no one could find anything wrong. Um, so this took about eight, eight years to get treatment. And maybe about halfway through that, I found that, um, I had diagnosed it myself. I had I had read all of my medical charts, and I just wanted to get better so bad. And um, and I had heard about this thing that happens after you lose weight, and it really fit my situation. So I um, 
reached out to physicians and I started to say, can we diagnose, you know, try and see if this might be possible. Can we see, maybe this explains it. And, um, and they didn't believe me. Uh, they thought because they'd been testing for four years and nothing showed up that that must be, I was mentally ill. Um, so eventually I, uh, I mean, I just kept fighting. I went from doctor to doctor to doctor, 30 specialists in. I I spent every dollar I owned uh, trying to get some type of treatment, trying to get forward motion. Um, I was at the end of my rope. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know if I really wanted to keep living because I was just in so much pain and I was so alone. Uh, and one day I went to an emergency room. And I told them that, you know, I just said, listen, I, I, I just wish that someone would either put me out of my misery or find a way to fix me because I just can't live like this any longer. Um, and it still took a couple months, but that action there connected me with a specialist. And eventually, you know, through advocating for myself, it was determined that we were just going to remove my healthy kidney, no matter what, whether we knew I had this condition or not. Because me, the owner of the kidney, said, please do it. It might be this rare condition. And uh, so they did the surgery. And as they were removing my kidney, they were able to confirm that this was this rare disorder I had had for, for eight years that just hadn't been treated or diagnosed. Wow. And, uh, and I got better. Uh, I got better. Uh, it's been almost a year. I've been able to, I mean, sort of return to my job. There was a pandemic afterwards. So it, it helped I'm me. sure. And, yeah. you know, I just want to let my listeners know that, you know, just because you go to a doctor and they can't figure things out, as you can tell from Courtney's story, she didn't give up. She kept going and going and she was determined to find out what was going on. And sometimes we, we go to our healthcare systems and people um, for answers and we, we come back with nothing. And that, that adds to that frustration. I know I've been there but in your extreme case, it must have been frustrating going from doctor to doctor and, and everyone probably telling you you're fine or they don't know what it is, correct? Well, I think it it almost seemed to like catapult on each each encounter after a number of years. So the doctors would start to leave notes about, you know, how I didn't look mentally well or, you know, how I over-exaggerated things. And then the next doctor would read that and I'd have an encounter with them. And they would have twice as much stigma about who I was when I saw them. So every single appointment just kept getting more and more difficult. And I almost been trapped for a while. Yeah. I mean, I've had mm -hmm. the same thing. I, I'm in the U.S. and I, I know you say you're in Canada, but um, I have had some really bad experiences of, you know, going in and not getting any yeah. answers and getting frustrated and kind of getting the runaround. And they give, you know, they can give medication yeah. and try to mask it. But we got to get to the root cause. And that's my next question. What do you think brought all this up? I tried everything and I got really heavy into ideas that you create your own reality. You, you know, you create the things that happen to you and you attract them into your life. And at that point, I then sort of had to ask, like, why would it be that for 30 years of my life, I would be morbidly obese and I would struggle so hard to lose weight. And I would just constantly be told, you need to lose weight. You're, you're far too large. 
And then I would finally, you know what I mean, find that right combination of food, lose the weight, and I'm sick again um, with this, you know, rare weight loss related disorder. And really, when does that ever happen to people, you know? Um, so I think I looked a lot about, um, right. there was a lot of trauma in my, my childhood. Uh, and I would say that trauma just became my mindset. You know, I, I grew up with a, a father who had a lot of addiction issues and a lot of mental health issues in a very small town. Um, and I think ex that being my experience of life for a while, um, then I went into an acting conservatory and an acting program where you're constantly being asked to work 16 or 17 hour days and you're constantly being judged and everything, you know, in a moment, wow. your life changes, things cost so, you know, they'll pay you 50 grand if you can get there by tomorrow and do all of these things, maybe, you know, so your adrenal glands are flying high. It seems almost every day in that profession and I think when I got sick, I realized that I just really grown up thinking that trauma and, and feeling stressed out was life. And I just didn't recognize what it could feel like mm -hmm. to, to just live in pleasure. Um, so in some ways, I think I got sick so I could learn a lot of important lessons. You know, don't tell me that seven years ago, because I'd swear at you and bite at you. But <laughs> looking back... I think that um, I got <laughs> sick so I could learn a lot about myself and just to be able to get better and have a, a time from then on where my biggest priority is just ensuring that I am happy and I am, you know, loving myself in the way I should. Right. And, and I just want to point out to anybody that's suffering out there, you know, just to reflect that, you know, sometimes sickness, whatever you're going through, at the at the end of it, when, when you turn things around, you look back and you're like, wow, I'm such a much stronger person. I mean, you might be going through hell right now and you feel like there's no hope. Um, and then at the end. Yeah, of it, I absolutely think like, stronger. Would I you think it's probably that, twofold. Courtney? I think definitely this made me a stronger person. Uh, and it not only just made me a stronger person, but I know a year a year later, what I'm looking for is ways to tell my story so that we could treat people who have mental health issues better than I was treated in those years I was sick, you know, or so that we know more about rare disorders. So it's made me a better person in our community, as well as strengthened me. But it it does have its lasting effects of like PTSD. Like I struggle to go to a doctor, even about simple things, because there's a part sure. of me that says, no, I'm just going to Google like I did last time when I had that rare disorder and figure it out on my own. And then I think, Courtney, you, <laughs> you can't do it. It's really stressful to do so. Just call the doctor and tell them you've got a cold, you know? Right, right. And, and so it seems like you have turned a bad situation into a good one. Yeah. And that's, that's the message I want to uh, send to my audiences that whatever you're going through, no matter how bad it is, I mean, you you hear what Courtney has been through. It, it's probably been hell, but she's turned it around and there is hope. So with that said, um, what keeps you going? And at 11 years old, I auditioned for my first musical and I fell in love. Like it was like coming home and, um, and it was just so beautiful. And I was able to spend 
almost all of my teen years traveling across North America, performing, and it was beautiful. And I went away to theater school and I graduated one of the top of my class and I came to Toronto. And six months later, I got sick with this rare disorder and spent the next eight years struggling. But during those eight years, I just, I have such a deep belief that my purpose in life and what I can offer most is to be uh, an artist and to, to share my gift of acting. And I've been able to do a, a, you know, I was able to do a movie with Susan Sarandon for a few days. I mean, I had a very small part. She had a very large part, but I've been able to fulfill <laughs> little timbits of what I know right. will come to me, not necessarily in like celebrity status, but just in the work that I'll be able to do. So I guess that knowledge, no matter how bad it got, and sometimes questioning it, that, you know, the the way I kept going was just knowing that one day I would get better because one day I was going to go on so many cool stages here in Canada at Stratford, but I mean, so many cool stages and I was going to play all of these cool parts <laughs> and therefore my story couldn't end because I got a rare disorder no one had heard of because the next chapter was when I was going to get to do that. I'm sure you would. You were mm -hmm. at one point where you were like, you know, you hit rock bottom, and what what was that turning point for you where you were like, you know, I'm just going to keep going. Just for the people that are listening out there, because I know I have a lot of viewers that are just at the end of their rope, but I want I want them to hear it from you, especially. I mean, you've been through hell and back. So, what would you tell um, somebody that's listening? You know, I always knew if I was going to get hit with a lot of pain um, that I was going to start to feel like that after that, you know, because that's how pain affects you. Um, but then, you know, other things in life would come up as well. Uh, at one point, I lost my home uh, and I was homeless for a bit. And I know I struggled a lot with what am I going to do? This seems too hopeless. And I'd start to do this thing where I would make promises of holding dates you know, so I just made myself a promise that no matter what I felt like in one moment, it was not going to dictate the action I took in that one moment. So there would be times where I would think, man, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep going on. And I would remind myself that that I had already made this commitment that I was going to last two more weeks. And therefore, I had to do two more weeks. And normally, two weeks would pass. And, and things would seem a bit more hopeful. And I would think, actually, you know what? I haven't emailed this doctor yet. And I haven't tried this yet. And I haven't done that yet. And then I'd go out and I'd do those things. And unfortunately, sometimes they'd all come back negative And I'd have to have that self-talk again to say, listen, no matter how bad it feels in this one moment, you cannot make changes right. that are going to dictate your entire life, period. Right. I mean, that's awesome. I mean... Just to reflect, I want you to hear my, I'm talking to my audience, you know, that, that are yeah. at their end of their rope, make mini goals and, you know, just try to put yourself where even if you have to write it down, get somebody to keep you accountable. You have to reach out, you know, every day is, is a gift. And if you can just last, you know, let's say, like you said, two weeks then you start thinking, oh, wait, I didn't try this. Let me try this. Eventually, you're going to break through just like Courtney did. And it's just a, such an inspiring story. And that's why I had you 
I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. Um, did now, did you do this all alone? Did, was there any help? I noticed a lot of people in my life stepped away. You know, they either, you know, would ask me to get mental help, mental health help. And I would kept saying, I'm not making it up. It's really happening to me though. Um, so near the end, I was pretty alone. Uh, and, and that sort of, it, it was kind of nice in that when I got better, the people I allowed into my life, I cherished them in a way I don't think I really had before I got sick. Uh, so there was definitely a, a cleansing, I guess you could almost say. Um, I knew who my true, the true people that I wanted to love were after I'd been through such hell. Um, yeah. And I, I would also say, I think maybe because I was alone, uh, not only just alone in my life, but alone in the fact that, you know, I knew what the condition was, but no doctor I, I met had ever heard of it. Um, so I was connecting with people um, in other countries who had had the same experience that I was in. And that really helped, uh, even though it was on, over Facebook or what have you, it just helped to know that there was one you know what I mean? One person in Czechoslovakia who knew what this felt like right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It didn't matter where, at least there was a, <laughs> you know, someone too, right? somewhere that understood what I was going through. So that, I think that meant a lot to me back then. And, and I just, I'm, I just want to point this out is, you know, a lot of people that are tuning in, you, you, you are feeling alone. I, I've talked to many listeners. Um, even if you have a family member mm -hmm. or friends around you, you can still feel very isolated. But uh, the reason why I asked Courtney, you know, how she did it, you know, at the end, she, I mean, it looks like you did it on your own. You know, because there was so much disbelief against the diagnoses. I really learned to be my biggest advocate and my, you know, my biggest support team. So in some almost ironic way, I did it in the end alone, you know, because that was my journey was finding out how I could stand up for myself. Well, I definitely look up to you. Um, you know, I, I wish I can be as, as mentally tough as, as you going through what you did. I mean, I read your story and I was just like, I got to reach out to this person and, find out how, how they did it. Cause I know, you know, a lot of people would have just said, you know, put their hands up and, and called it, but you didn't and you kept going. And that's why uh, I want my listeners to know that mm -hmm. never give up hope. I mean, you're living proof. Um, with that said, um, is there one last piece of information or valuable lesson? I think for me, uh, when I was, was ill, there was times where I would have to remind myself um, that no one deserves to suffer. And that if I'm suffering right now, it's so I can make it so that when I get better, someone else won't. You can't find a way to keep the hope going for yourself. It actually becomes easy to think I have to keep the hope going on for the next person too, so that my experience can make it easier for them. Um, in a personal level, you know, I, our, our healthcare system in Canada is wonderful in that we on a whole believe that no one should suffer without enough money or access to healthcare. Um, but what's sad about that is that sometimes people like me can get really lost in the system. 
So I've been dealing with a lot of um, government agencies or places where you can share your experience to say, hey, uh, we spent we spent a lot of money on my care and we didn't provide me care. <laughs> do you think there's something easier we could do next time? Um, and then I think probably in amongst that would be advocating for mental health, um, advocating against mental health stigma, because I felt like that really affected me. Um, you know, everyone, uh, a lot of the physicians had these judgments that if I was really sick, I wouldn't be behaving this way because the way I'm behaving looks mentally ill whenever I would complain or whenever, you know, I would, if I started crying, those sorts of things. And in my opinion, um, your mental health will be affected if you're in a lot of pain. And more importantly, we need to make sure that when people who are mentally ill are trying to access healthcare, that they're getting the best care that they could be getting, not judgment. And I don't want to comment on, on the U.S. health care system. Uh, that's another podcast. But unfortunately, mental health yeah. is not taken seriously even till this day at least in the U.S., you know, how many people are, are committing suicide or mentally ill. They, they don't they don't see if they're if it's if it can't be measured in a blood test or I mean, it, it's not taken seriously. It is starting to, um, you know, there's a there's more movement for mental illness, but we've got a long ways to go here in the States um, for it to be something to be taken seriously. I mean, if you go to an emergency room or mm -hmm. any doctors, um, you know, they'll give you a pill and call it you know, like, okay, just come back in two weeks. Hey, Courtney, I just want to say thank you for being on my show. I would love to have you back in the future just to kind of see how you're doing and progressing. And I wish you the best with your acting. You're uh, basically an uh, inspiration um, to so many people for exactly what you went through. I, I know myself, I, I don't know what I would have done if, if I was faced with all that that you went through. But I appreciate you well, sharing your so personal story. Me. I know it was not easy. All right, Courtney. Well, that does it for this episode. If you can please subscribe and uh, leave a review, that helps me out. So stay tuned. You're listening to the On Call Impact.